We're talking this morning about signs of the Lord's coming, and I do believe that Jesus is coming soon. It's interesting that we're in springtime, and uh, Martin and I, we lived in Israel for many years, and I believe that springtime is the most beautiful time of year in Israel. If you've had a chance to visit, you might remember uh, the red anemone flowers that are wildflowers uh, growing on the hillsides uh, up to the mountains. Well, one time we were living in an area called a kibbutz, which is uh, the old concept of like a communal living area. And we were walking in this field and Marta says, look, some plants are coming up uh, through the field. And she says, what are they? And I said, well, I'm not real sure. The next day, the sun was still shining. And she says, look, there's more of the plants coming up out of the ground. What are they? And I went over and I looked. And obviously, all of us have enjoyed a watermelon. And I saw a watermelon seed, but it was split open like this. And the plant was pushing up from the seed. And it's a sign, right? It's an indicator of what is going to be there. That seed that was split in half uh, was an indicator that the growth was coming and it was going to become a watermelon. So we were living there, and the watermelon started growing, growing, getting bigger. And I kept thinking to myself, this is going to be wonderful when they're ripe. And then all of a sudden, just before the season of the watermelon be ripe, we had to move. And so I, <laughs> I missed that huge fill of watermelons. But it was always a joy to us to see the signs of the fields growing and to remember that God gives us signs of what is coming. And uh, this is the second part of the study that we began last week, uh, could the coming of Christ be sooner than we think? And uh, today we're going to study from Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read from verse 1 to 8. And um, there's an aspect of the Lord's coming that I think is important. It's that as uh, time goes by, the signs are going to intensify meaning that they're going to become stronger and more frequent. And I think we're going to see that as we study today. Let's pray uh, before we read God's word and study together. Lord, we thank you so much for springtime, for the time of year that reminds us you bring new life. And from things that have seemingly been dormant and sometimes even uh, it looks dead to us, yet you bring life. And we thank you for the signs that remind us that you're coming, Lord Jesus. We do want to pray, come, establish your kingdom on earth. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Speak to us today. Help us to live in the reality that you're coming soon and that you're giving us many signs to wake us up and to help us to be watching and waiting, praying and being faithful as we wait for your return. We commit this time to you. We pray that you would speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 24, we're going to begin uh, from verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 8. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon the other that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed, 
or pay attention, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, earthquakes, in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, or uh, what is really meant, the beginning of birth pains. Uh, some of you have experience with birth pains, and uh, the reality is, is that the frequency uh, increases and the intensity increases, and also the duration. And so I believe that as Jesus says, these are the beginning of sorrows, it means that though we've seen signs in the past, uh, they're going to increase in frequency and in intensity as well in, as in duration. Uh, you see uh, now a, an artist's rendering of the second temple. Uh, it was a beautiful building. It was noted by many people in history as one of the most beautiful things that was built in the Middle East. And it says in Matthew chapter 24, as Jesus and the disciples departed from the temple, meaning the area of the temple, the disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And he said, do you not see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that should not be thrown down. And then they went out to the Mount of Olives and they had a different perspective of the Jewish temple. Uh, this is a model. And uh, if you visit Jerusalem, you can see it. There was a courtyard around the temple. Uh, there was an inner court uh, where the priests would worship. And then there was a place for sacrifices. And uh, the buildings uh, were very beautiful, but also the stones themselves. Uh, there were these huge stones uh, that is still a little bit of a mystery, how they got those big stones in place. And um, this is a view from the Mount of Olives uh, onto the, the model. Um, it was such a beautiful place that the disciples said, look at the stones and the beauty of the temple. But Jesus had already two different times cleansed the temple. And one of them was just a few days before that. And they were expecting that Jesus would be impressed uh, as they were considering the beauty of the temple. But he gave a warning and the warning was that not one stone would be left upon the other. Uh, this is a view from the Mount of Olives, so that's uh, out where they were at. It's called the Mount or Mountain of Olives because of the olive trees that were growing there and the um, olive oil that was produced there. It's also the area that Jesus went out and prayed um, prior to his suffering on the cross. So he... Um, is on the Mount of Olives with the disciples. The disciples come and say, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. So he had said, not one stone is going to be left standing on the other one. Uh, they're asking, when is that going to be? When is his coming going to be? And when will be the end of the age? And he um, told them uh, that not one stone would be on the other. This is a picture, if you can see it, I'm um, not sure if it's uh, clear to you, but in 70 AD, the Roman armies came to Jerusalem, they surrounded the city, and then they defeated um, the Jews, and they came into the temple area. 
there was a command not to burn the temple, but the temple was set on fire, and the inside of the temple was both wood and gold, and as the wood was on fire, the gold melted, and this caused them to literally take each of the stones and push it off the temple mount. This is a retaining wall. Um, you can't see it. But the wall that's there is a retaining wall, and those stones were literally from the buildings um, that were up on the temple platform. So uh, from the higher level, the stones were pushed off and pushed down. It was so powerful, down where you can see the people standing, that the big uh, pavement stones that were about six inches thick, uh, four to six uh, feet wide and about six feet long, they were crushed and broken um, with the force of those stones being pushed off. And it's really a powerful thing. It reminds us that uh, Jesus predicted it and it came past uh, exactly as he predicted. Um, when the Romans destroyed the temple, uh, they set it on fire as well as most of the city. And then they were searching for the gold. Uh, they were able to take um, the gold menorah out of the temple and there's um, a, a carved image of them carrying away the golden menorah that is still in Rome today. The disciples um, heard Jesus speak of these things, and, he said, and they said to him, uh, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Um, some people think that what Jesus goes on to speak is symbolic. But I disagree. I believe that in the same way that the temple was destroyed literally, and they took each stone and they pushed it off, uh, that the signs are going to have literal fulfillment as well. So um, now we're going to start talking about the signs, but let's remember that what Jesus is saying is kind of a wake-up call to them. They're saying, look how beautiful everything is. But he had just a few days before gone in and cleansed the temple. And the reason was that they were buying and selling. They were taking advantage of people um, by uh, doing poor exchange rates and not receiving people's uh, sacrifices. And he had cleansed the temple pre previous to that. Uh, it's also something that we need to remember that even though the temple was beautiful and it was there for the purpose of worshiping God, if the people's hearts left God, uh, he allowed two times that temple to be destroyed. And we, as God's people, are not to allow anything to move our hearts away from worshiping him with a sincere heart of worship. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is retelling the story of what happened. And he says, as God um, came down onto the Mount Sinai or Horeb, and he was there speaking and giving the Ten Commandments, he did not come in a bodily form. And the reason that he came in a fire, not in a bodily form, is said specifically that they would not worship an idol, but that they would worship God himself. Uh, God created us, and it's mentioned in that passage, when you look up at the stars and your heart wants to worship, we're to remember that God is the creator. We are to worship him, and we're not to worship things of nature or things that people create regardless of how beautiful it was, right? When you were uh, going up to Jerusalem, you would see the buildings uh, shining in the sun, but you're not to worship the things created, but you're to worship the creator. 
I think in America we have a problem, right? We don't walk around with small little idols, at least some, some of us don't. There are some neighbors that have uh, statues of Buddha in our neighborhood, and I always wonder, why would you have a statue of Buddha? But nonetheless, many of us, we have idols. You know, uh, oh, my car's dirty. You know, and then you feel bad driving around in a dirty car. Your car is not your idol, right? It just gets you from point A to point B. And our pastor, uh, where Martin and I met, his name was Chuck Smith. He had an older car, and he told the story that uh, a man in the church was an owner of a car dealership. So he says, uh, bring in your car. I want to bring you a new car. And he says, okay. So they ordered the car. Um, Pastor Chuck got a call before he left the office to go pick up the car that his wife wanted him to stop at the grocery store. And uh, he went, got the new car, uh, left his old car, went to the grocery store, parked. And when he came back, someone had opened the door out of their car and dinged his door. And he at first was so disappointed, right, that uh, something brand new just got, in a sense, ruined. And into his mind came the phrase, it's all going to burn. <laughs> and sometimes we need to have that attitude with our stuff, right? It's not an idol to distract us from God. It's all going to burn, meaning it all is going to be destroyed at some point in time. The disciples were amazed um, and they told Jesus, look. But then Jesus says the temple is going to be destroyed. And they ask for a sign of his coming and the end of the age. He actually gives multiple signs, and we're to consider the signs as warnings, uh, indicating his return and coming judgment. Uh, we have to ask the question, why is Jesus coming again? And the answer uh, that we remember this time of year is because people, when he was first on earth, rejected him, crucified him, uh, and even today and yet into the future, people will always live for themselves. And so he's coming again to bring judgment and to establish his kingdom on the earth. And some of the signs are connected to future judgments. Now we're going to read um, from verse 4. And Jesus says to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So uh, the first sign is deceivers coming in the name of Jesus. And because people reject following God, uh, they open themselves up more to following false Christ. Jesus warns of this, uh, deception three times in this passage, uh, coming from false messiahs and false prophets, people who will come in his name saying, I am the Christ, and would deceive many. Did you know the in the English Bible, the middle verse of the Bible says that it's better to trust in God and not to trust in man. That's Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9. It instructs us to trust in God and not to trust in people. But because unbelievers reject God and some religious people even trust in people more than they trust in God, uh, it's an open opportunity for deceivers to come in and to convince people to follow them. Um, false messiahs try to take the place of Jesus. Now, we shouldn't just be focused upon things of the earth. 
Paul tells us specifically that we walk by faith. Uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, why is it that people have the tendency to look to other people and not to look to God? Why is there so much focus upon politicians and world leaders? Um, most of you know that we lived for more than 20 years in different countries. And one thing that is a little bit of a culture shock to me coming back to the United States is people talking about politicians, right? Uh, I have no trust that the politicians are going to be able to fulfill their word, right? There's a long history of people making a lot of promises, and if they even get close to fulfilling half of them, that's a good politician. But why is it we spend so much time focused talking about them, uh, talking about what they promises, what they promise, and the things that they plan to do? Um, Jesus says, "Pay attention that no one deceives you." I did a search this week. In the last 100 years, how many false messiahs do you think Wikipedia lists? Uh, I counted 42 just in the last 100 years, and there's probably a lot more. That was just false messiahs, people claiming to be the messiah. If you add false prophets, it's probably a huge number. Um, there have already been uh, many false messiahs in history, but I want to introduce a concept to you that I mentioned earlier. Jesus said, uh, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Um, like I mentioned, a birth pain, it starts out, uh, you know, what we would call a contraction, as not so painful and not so frequent. But as time goes, it becomes more frequent and more painful. And uh, this is what this chart uh, is talking about. And I believe the same is true in regards to these signs, because Jesus said they're the beginning of birth pains, meaning that as time goes by, there's going to be more false messiahs, for example, and their deception is going to be greater leading up to the time of the Antichrist. We just read from 1 John. He said, many Antichrists have come, right? And even in that day, there were people that were proclaiming to be um, the Messiah. But the concept is this. The signs have happened before in history, but the signs will increase in frequency and increase in intensity, and also some of the signs are going to increase in duration. So uh, this is something that we need to consider, because when you talk about, well, you know, there was uh, yesterday a big earthquake in Ecuador, and Jesus talks about in this passage that there's going to be uh, pestilences, earthquakes, right? And someone will say, well, there's always been earthquakes. But we're going to see today that the earthquakes are increasing in frequency and increasing in intensity. And that's the concept. The next sign, Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Um, so the sign is wars and rumors of wars. But notice he says, see that you're not troubled. Um, we lived for seven years in Ukraine. And when the war started in Ukraine, even though we were in the U.S., it was hard for us to sleep because we were thinking of our friends. And some of you have been uh, in wars, fighting in wars, or uh, serving in the military during the times of the war. And of course, you're disturbed by the war, but we need to put our trust in Jesus. He says, 
uh, see that you're not troubled. Um, in Mark's gospel, it says, see that you're not terrified. And he also says these things must come to pass. So Jesus himself recognizes that there's a process that it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be assigned to us. But then he says they must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Um, there have already been wars in the U.S. I read an article that since 1776, there's only been 17 years in the U.S. without a war that the U.S. was involved in. So though wars are common, uh, the number of wars and the effect and the intensity of the wars is increasing. Um, some of you had parents um, that were born at the turn of last century, and we've met people um, that have uh, memories of uh, times of challenge, including the First World War that was in Europe. It's estimated that there were 10 million military and 7 million civilian deaths, right? That is a huge impact. Uh, it destroyed much of Europe. Uh, just a short time later, in World War II, it's estimated that there were 21 to 25 million military and 55 to, or 50 to 55 million civilian deaths. Uh, we know many people that uh, fought in World War II and also were alive um, and have living memories of World War II. And the biggest thing is that complete destruction of entire cities. And then uh, the ones that were uh, young people during that time just always feeling like, where is my next meal going to come from? You know, having food rations. Uh, Jesus says that there's going to be nations fighting against nations, uh, kingdoms against kingdoms. Um, this is a picture from Ukraine uh, just last year. And it's estimated that in the last 110 years, there have been 187 million deaths caused by war alone. It's a tremendous number. And for sure, uh, it's a sign. Uh, Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So he's telling us, don't be troubled. When you see that destruction, the only way not to be troubled is to put your trust in God, to remember that he has uh, a place prepared for us, heaven, a place where there's no longer going to be war or sorrow or suffering. Jesus said in verse 7 and 8, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. So the next sign is um, the famines. And oftentimes, uh, when there are wars, it leads to a time of famine. Um, in the last 100 years, there have been many famines, and even some of them are caused by world leaders. Uh, Stalin was responsible for a famine in the 1930s that led to the death, it's estimated, of around uh, 7 million citizens of the former Soviet Union. Um, Mao Zedong, the leader of uh, the People's Republic of China, he started what was called the Great Leap Forward, where he... Um, pushed the people that were living out in the farms and the villages into uh, cities. And it caused uh, 
his actions and also a drought, it caused between 30 to 45 million people to die from famine. And also, uh, the government leaders were uh, murdering people when they were tried to even do something as simple as dig in a field to get a potato to eat. Um, they would torture and mur murder them. It's a really dark uh, time in history. Uh, of course, there have been famines in the past, but it seems like the intensity and the frequency is increasing. Um, there are nations, uh, some of you know, um, today you have family members in those nations or helping those nations that are facing famine. Somalia, Ethiopia, Afghanistan, Yemen, Sudan, Kenya, and others. And the war in Ukraine is actually increasing food insecurity because in a normal year, the Ukraine would... Uh, make enough wheat and grains to feed about 400 million people. So this war is keeping them from being able to distribute uh, that food and it brings uh, food insecurity especially into Africa. He says that uh, nations will rise up against nations, kingdoms against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Um, there's no doubt that pestilences are increasing. A pestilence is a fatal epidemic uh, disease. In the last 100 years, uh, we have the Spanish flu. Um, the low estimate is about 50 million people. I read an article that the high estimate was close to 100 million people died from the, the Spanish flu. You might remember from the slide earlier that uh, World War I ended in 1918. Well, all those people started traveling back to their countries, and many of them were sick. And so the flu uh, spread around the world very quickly. The Asian flu uh, in 1957-58 killed about one million people. AIDS uh, from 1985 to the present, about 35 million people, especially in Africa, they're very hard hit by AIDS. Uh, and then we all experienced, right, the last couple of years, the coronavirus. That's also a pestilence, a pandemic. Almost 7 million people uh, throughout the world have died by the coronavirus. Uh, so in the last 100 years, approximately 100 million people have died. Doesn't that seem like it's an increase in the intensity? Um, these diseases spreading across the whole earth. And then earthquakes. Um, thankfully, this is the last uh, kind of dark uh, category that we're going to study today. But earthquakes in various places, and Jesus says they're the beginning of birth pains. Uh, some people actually doubt whether earthquakes are increasing. Um, but let me share with you a few things that I um, studied this last week. In the last 120 years, there have been more recording devices, right, the seismologists are putting in the devices to record, not just on Earth, but also in the sea, to be able to detect tsunamis. And because there's more devices, there's more earthquakes that are being recorded. But it does not mean that just because there's more devices and more recording, that they're not increasing in intensity and in frequency. And I think that both are happening. Uh, if you look since 1900, uh, there's many articles about the 10 most powerful earthquakes. Nine of them are from 1950, and four of them are from 2004. 
right? So you can see even in the last 100 years that the most powerful earthquakes, they're increasing in frequency, especially as uh, this last uh, 18 years or so. If you talk about the most deadly earthquakes, um, there have been 11 uh, very deadly earthquakes. Five of them have been since 2004. So our building capacity is getting greater, but the earthquakes are so powerful that they're still killing many people. And just from February in Turkey and Syria, the death count of the earthquakes that have happened there is already over 55,000 people. Um, so uh, you might remember, um, for some reason we tend to have a short memory, but in 2011, uh, there was a huge earthquake, a 9.1 magnitude, that triggered a tsunami. Uh, the tsunami uh, caused $360 billion worth of damage in Japan. And they're still dealing with the nuclear power plant in Fukushima. Uh, they um, still have huge expenses because of that tsunami. I believe that the earthquakes are increasing in frequency, and they're definitely increasing in intensity. Um, they're bringing destruction that takes years to overcome, and it brings a huge financial stress. And I think that this is one of the things about the disasters, like in the United States we have a lot of hurricanes. Um, one of the things that the disasters do is it weakens society because of the huge cost to repair these things. And uh, it brings a huge financial distress. So Jesus talks about wars, famines, disease, earthquakes, and these disasters create a worldwide crisis. But the unfortunate thing is that the Bible indicates that instead of people repenting and looking to God, they're going to look to a person on earth, right, in their country or someone representing the world that can establish a perfect environment. And this is going to bring the Antichrist into power who will deceive people. So as we get closer to finishing now, I want to ask, what do we do in light of these signs? Uh, what should this motivate us to do? In the same passage, Jesus tells us to watch. Uh, we're to be looking to God, not just to things on the earth. Uh, these signs indicate he is coming. We're to be ready, meaning that we live in righteousness. And we're to be faithful. The things that he's called us to do, we have to do them faithfully as unto him. To be wise, right? There's going to be a lot of deception. And um, I would encourage you, try to pray as much as you watch television. Because uh, television is a source of false hope in many times, uh, many instances. So pray, stay connected to God, that we won't be overwhelmed or deceived. Jesus tells us not to be troubled. Uh, that is a hard thing, isn't it? Right? You see an earthquake. Um, you see people that are trapped underneath a pile of rubble for eight, nine, ten days. They found them in Turkey. And you look at that and you're just troubled by it. But he says, uh, they're all going to come to pass. We're to wait for his coming. And I think this word is an important word, to be steadfast. To be steadfast means to be immovable. It means to be focused and faithful. Uh, we're to be ready, uh, waiting for the Lord. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 and 58, 
Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I want to challenge you and encourage you, right? You see that for sure there are signs of the coming of Jesus. Are you watching? Are you waiting? You know, um, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're going to be thinking about that in a few weeks, uh, before Jesus suffered on the cross, he had his disciples just a little ways away. And as the disciples were there, what, would ha what happened? They fell asleep, right? And he came over to him and he says, can you not watch and pray? And uh, as believers in Jesus, when we see these things start to happen, we're to look up, lift up our head, for our redemption draws near. Paul says, God wants to lead us in victory. Therefore, we are to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I have a real sense that Jesus could be coming much sooner than we expect. Uh, things are going to change quickly in the world. Uh, we don't always see everything that we expect to see, but it is going to change. And it's not going to be for the better. And we need to remember that our hope is not in the worldly things, but our hope is in Jesus, the one who made heaven and earth and who's going to come and establish his kingdom. Look to the Lord. Trust in him. Turn away from the distractions of the world and remember that he wants to be the Lord of our heart, our mind, our soul and our strength. Let's pray as we finish today. Lord, many of us have our minds distracted upon things of the earth. Many of us have our hope and things that we can see. Many of us are listening more to people than we're listening to you. Help us, Lord, to turn back, to turn to you knowing that you've predicted in advance the things that are going to happen so that we would have indicators, that we would be watching, that we'd be waiting, that we'd be focused upon you. Lord, we do pray for your compassion upon people that are suffering. We know there are still people suffering in Turkey and Syria. We know that there is people that are suffering today in Ecuador from an earthquake yesterday. Have mercy, Lord. Help the ones that are giving aid and helping to rebuild and providing food. Lord, help us as we see these things begin to happen, to look up, to know that our redemption draws near. Stir up your spirit within our hearts that we would be witnesses uh, in our own homes and in our communities so that people would draw close to you. Turn our eyes away from things of this world and let us look with expectation for your coming. We commit ourselves to you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.